You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. We're in chapter 12 of the book of Luke as we begin this study. And as we have journeyed through the book of Luke and we've gotten into chapter 11, we're entering that phase where Jesus is making his push toward Jerusalem to, fit, to end his final days in his ministry. This journey takes months. Here in chapter 12, we see that people are becoming fixed in their resentment, their resilience, the resistance that is, and their animosity toward Jesus. Many in Judea, many in Galilee have rejected Christ. And we have the main section of those that are rejecting him are the Pharisees. You see, they're holding on to their false religion. And we'll see the same thing today. We see people hanging on to false religion. And being able to distinguish what is true religion, and I use that term loosely because I really don't like the word religion, because religion is man-made. Who holds on to the truth is something we have to recognize in those who are holding on to a false religion. Chapter 12, the first part of verse 1. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. It's hard to imagine how many people were showing up to hear Jesus. And it says in some versions there was an innumerable multitude. Thousands, thousands of people were showing up to hear and see what Jesus had to say. And these crowds were so large that people were actually stumbling over each other, trying to get close to hear. But there were confrontations, as we read in chapter 11, confrontations confrontations between Jesus and the Pharisees. And this has something to do with drawing the crowds as well. People love confrontation and watching it, that others are having. Not necessarily they're having a confrontation, but they love watching confrontations. These TV shows that they bring people together and they fight and holler and cuss each other on TV, and, and they stay on on uh, TV because people sit well, love watching it. You think about when you were a kid at school and there was a fight. The whole student body ran over and see what was going on. And here, people love to see what Jesus is going to have to say to the Pharisees and what the Pharisees say back. So, as these crowds have gotten so big, Jesus has some more teaching to do. And he has something to say here. In the latter part of verse 1, he says, and when Jesus turned first to his disciples, he has all these people out here, yet he turns to his closest disciples. He turns to them and he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Or beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, some versions would say. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. 
and their hypocrisy. Now he's speaking and talking to his disciples, but the whole crowd can hear what he has to say. Beware of the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. See, he's warning them of the great danger of false teaching. He's warning them that this is invasive. And he compares it to leaven or yeast, as we would think of it. And he's using the term leaven to describe hypocrisy. And he did this in Matthew chapter 16 as well. In verse 6, he said, And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And look at verse 12 of Matthew 16. And it says this about the disciples. Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So he's using this term leaven to describe their false doctrine, their hypocrisy, their hypocritical behavior, and their false doctrine. And Paul used this analogy in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6 through 7 as he described the immorality that had taken place in the church. And he says this, Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. And he had been discussing the immorality that had been taking place in the church in Corinth sexual immorality that was going on in the church and how he compared that to leaven. You see, when you take leaven or yeast and apply it to the dough, it permeates it. It invades it. And it causes it, and a baker wants it to rise. But if we go further and look at Old Testament times, when it was time for a great feast such as the Passover, they wanted unleavened bread. And we use that example today when we have the Lord's Supper. We use an unleavened bread that we partake. See, an unleavened bread hasn't been permeated, hasn't been invaded by yeast. And you think about that, what Jesus is referring to here. He was using an example that the people understood. And he's telling them that hypocrisy is like leaven in the sense it just takes a little bit to invade the whole mass so he's calling them out for what they were and who they were and when you look at the teachings of Jesus we tend to put Jesus in a box and say Jesus was just this really kind man who would never say anything negative toward anyone well if somebody has that impression of Christ they don't know who he is so Jesus was one to tell the truth and not shade it in any way. It's either right or wrong, and that's how he presented everything. He would not be a high-paid preacher in today's churches. He would step on too many toes. They wouldn't want him around. He would offend too many. He preaches love, but he's going to also take me to do wrong. He's going to make the statement that is hard to hear. And sometimes that statement is, you're being a hypocrite. You say, Jesus came with the truth, a message of redemption, a message of love. 
And then here in verse 2 and 3 of Luke 12, he says that Jesus says the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. And he's speaking about the Pharisees and hypocrisy. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light and whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the house, housetops for all to hear. See, the art of being a hypocrite depends on concealment. hiding what the message really is or who you really are. But hypocrites can only be hypocrites before men. Can't fool God. It's all laid bare for him. He knows. And that's the point Jesus is making to this crowd that these hypocrites are going to be revealed and are revealed before God, but he will reveal them for who they and what they are. So he goes on in verse 4, and he says to the disciples, Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. Notice that Jesus says, Dear friends, are you a friend of God? There's a song that I love, A Friend of God. Are you a friend of God? Do you call Jesus friend? You see, we're to fear and respect the Father. It's a fear that we, we have because we are in awe of Him. I had a healthy fear of my dad. I believed in what he told me what would happen if I did this. I tried him a time or two, but it didn't take long. He made a believer out of me. We're to fear God even more. It's a respect. It's a love and respect, but I believe in what God tells me will happen if I don't follow him. And there's times that God will discipline us to get us back on track. He'll get our attention to get us back on track. So we don't fear the wrath of God because the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus when He died on the cross. When we're believers of Jesus, we don't fear the wrath of God because it's already been taken care of. What we fear is that we're led astray. Don't let Satan come in and invade. Don't believe the hypocrites. Don't believe the False doctrine. And what Jesus is telling them here, get ready because you're going to be persecuted. Get ready, you're going, to be you're going to be persecuted. And he tells us, hypocrites will always despise the faithful. So followers of Jesus have to be ready to be persecuted. And friends, we live in a time where we're just beginning to see some persecution. And it's going to grow. And it's going to get worse as time goes on. And so the message that Jesus is saying, you're going to face it if you follow me. You see, we live in a time in which if you speak out against homosexuality, you're a bigot. If you speak out against transgender, you're a bigot. If you speak out against sin of any kind, you're a bigot. No, I'm not a bigot. There's right and there's wrong. 
Okay? God said something wrong. I'm going to stand with God on this. We're not going to cast stones. I don't believe in hurting anyone because of how they live or do. I believe in sharing the truth. And you follow the truth. So we're going to be accosted. We're going to be challenged more and more as time goes on because Satan has got a foothold in this thing. And we're going to be called out for our beliefs in Jesus Christ. We're going to be called out for the, to defend the truth. And the truth is simply the Word of God. And He tells us there, be ready. Be ready. It is applicable in the days of Jesus and it's applicable now. And He goes on to say this in verse 6 and 7. He says, He's telling them in verse 6 and 7, you're valued by God. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins, yet God does not forget a single one of them? And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. So if God is aware of how many creatures He has on this earth, He's certainly aware of you. How many hairs on your head or how many you don't have, He's aware of you. And he's, he knows what's going on in your life. He knows the problems you have. He knows the happiness you have. He knows everything that goes on. He has not forsaken you. That's what Jesus is telling him right here. He knows everything about you. And that alone should just blow our minds of the majesty and the and ominous of God. That he knows just about, he knows everything about me, he knows everything about Dennis, he knows everything about Tom, he knows everything about Nathan. He knows it all about every human being on the face of this earth. And yet we want to challenge that God doesn't care. He cares. He cares. Jesus said he knows how many hair on the head you have. So he knows all the important things, just not the trivial. Verse 8, I tell you the truth, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. I want to read the same verse out of Amplified Version. Who open, whoever declares openly and confesses me before men, the Son of Man will declare openly and confess Him as one of His own before the angels of God. Now, let's pay attention to this. Jesus is teaching. And one of the things that I think we, we have neglected in the church is this important point. We tend to say, we follow the sinner's prayer, and you say, I accept Jesus in my heart, then I'm right with God. Don't misunderstand me. The sinner's prayer is very relevant. But if we don't ever get to the point that we confess openly, that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is who He said He was, then we're amiss. If we don't repent of our sin, of our life that we had before Christ, I repent, I turn away from sin, I'm dying to sin, which baptism symbolizes. If we don't throw that into this sinner's prayer, then all we've done is lip service and said I accept Jesus into my heart if you don't repent and if we don't give up that life of sin 
and we don't acknowledge that Jesus is my Savior, we haven't opened our heart to Him. Jesus said, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. This salvation, your faith in Jesus can't be something that you hide and don't want anybody else to know about. You see, when we're challenged in the public area, about our beliefs, about the truth, if we don't stand for that truth, then we're hiding the truth. Does that make sense? See, Jesus says, be with me, stick with me, identify with me, confess me to others. And the payoff is, if you do those things, you'll be with me in heaven. Verse 9, but anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. See, he, did, he mentioned in 11, chapter 11, verse 23, you're either with me or against me. Right? See, the enemies here of Jesus were accusing him of performing miracles with the power of Satan. And we, we talked about that in chapter 11. But it shows where their hearts were. See, these Pharisees, these enemies of Jesus, it talks about their heart when they make these accusations. They were hypocrites. They said they were following God, but their actions and their words were just the opposite. Their hearts were hardened. They rejected Him. And it explains the condition of their heart. You see, we have a choice to make, as Jesus just told us in 11.23 and here in chapter 12. The choice is we can confess Jesus as Lord and Savior or we can deny Him. And you don't always have to deny Him with your mouth. It's with your actions. It's with your heart. Verse 10, anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. First thing he says, anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. First thing that hit my mind was Peter. That, that was the first thought that hit my mind when I was reading this. When Peter denied him, who, that he knew. I don't even know the man. Are familiar with the story? He was forgiven. He, Jesus told him he was going to do it, right? Because he knew his heart. He knew the type of man he was. And he, Peter denied that he knew the man. You, you were one of the followers of Jesus. No, I'm not. I don't even know the man. But Peter was forgiven. You see, when we don't stand for truth, we're doing that. We're doing that. When we sit on our hands and we hide the truth like a big overcoat over us, we're doing what Peter did. I don't even know the man. I don't know the truth. I don't want anybody to know I know the truth. Stand for Jesus in His message. 
The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, that's a, that's a topic in which there's a lot of conflicting ideas on. But there's only, we'll straighten that out because there's just one thing he's talking about here. He says, anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. See, the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit refers to the continued rejection of the Christ. See, the Holy Spirit's main ministry is to testify of Jesus. John 15, verse 26, Jesus said this, But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. See, the testimony of Jesus is what the Holy Spirit's to do. That's his job. And if he, he dwells within us, living within us, testifying about Jesus in the truth and leads us into a proper understanding of the truth. But when that testimony of Jesus is rejected over and over and over again, one has blasphemed the Holy Spirit. See, that person, the one that rejects the Christ is calling the Holy Spirit a liar. You're calling God a liar. And to, re and to reject that testimony about Jesus is to reject the mission of God. I've said this before and I'll continue to say it because we live in such a confused world. There are not many paths to God. There is one. And that is Jesus Christ. And those that say that there are many paths are blasphemers to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because that's what Jesus said. When a person continually rejects the gospel in the efforts of the Holy Spirit, say, when I present the gospel, when Dennis shares the gospel with someone, it's not us that is saving that individual or Tom brings that, or Justin, or any of you, if you share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone, it's not you that's convincing them to accept Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who is doing that. The Holy Spirit reaches out to convict people of the truth. The Holy Spirit is working on that heart to get them to accept the message of Jesus Christ. And when somebody rejects that message, they're rejecting the efforts of the Holy Spirit. It's not you or me. You see, continued rejection of Jesus is what he's describing. That continued rejection makes a person more hardened in their heart against Jesus. The Pharisees had hearts of steel. They were so angry and so mad about the, the, the message that Jesus had brought. It wasn't the message they wanted to hear. And their rejection turned their hearts to stone. And Jesus often referred to them as the whitewashed tombs. They had no heart. And when a person continuously rejects the message of Jesus Christ, they can hear it and reject it, hear it and reject it, hear it and reject it, 
And when they die, they will not go to heaven. Those are the facts. So, verse 12, excuse me, 11 and 12. And when you're brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. If we remain faithful to our Lord and we're confronted and we're placed in very difficult situations because of our faith in Jesus, he tells us, don't worry about what to say. The Holy Spirit will take over. Because this world is temporary, he will carry me through. Don't worry about what you have to say. The Holy Spirit will bring you the answer. And then he changes gears. He's in verses 13 through 15. Someone from the crowd. Now, meanwhile, Jesus is teaching. He, he, he's speaking to his disciples, but everyone is hearing this. And when he's teaching, and I thought this was rather humorous, the way my mind works. Is that Susan says, I have a very unique sense of humor. He says this in verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide my father's estate with me. Jesus is talking about the seriousness of a relationship with God. He's, he's talking about deep spiritual matters and this guy sh had shown up. He didn't care about any of that. He just wants to get his money. And Jesus said, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, and this shows you how special Jesus was. I would have been, really? Get that guy out of here. No, Jesus immediately turns into a teaching moment and he says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Is Joel Osteen teaching this this morning? Jesse DePlantis, is he teaching this message? I'm calling him out. Because Jesus said, life is not measured by how much you own. There are thousands of people filling up that arena in Houston, Texas this morning because Joel Einstein promises they'll get prosperity if they give to him. False prophet. False doctrine. Hypocrite is what Joel Einstein is. Life is not measured by how much you own. Jesus Christ is the author of that quote. Jesus just taught a great value is placed in God's heart about you, your soul, your heart, and not how much money you have. See, Jesus' words is about the need for our commitment and all what he had to say didn't touch that guy's heart out there who said, help me get my money from my brother. He wasn't concerned about spiritual things. He was concerned about himself. And if we're concerned about things, 
in the pursuit of things, then that's what's going to be our focus. And Jesus made the statement, beware of greed. Because greed would be your idol. See, Jesus wasn't concerned about the, money, the man's prosperity. He was concerned about his soul. He had things, his priorities were wrong. Jesus came to make the spiritually dead people alive, not to make bad people look good. We live in a, and it's been this way since people began to accumulate things. It's nothing wrong to have things, but if the pursuit of things outweighs the pers your pursuit of God, it's your idol. If we think we can trick God or bribe God, if I give God more, He'll give me more. I mean, that's people teaching that. It's a condition of the heart. When Jesus saw the widow drop the two coins in the basket, and that's all she had. He said, her heart is greater than all these who were given pocket loads of money in the basket because it was all of her heart she gave. He knew her heart. Life is not measured by how much you own. Paul talked about greed in Colossians 3 and verse 5. He talked about how all the evil things in this world get its base on greed, his selfishness. So Jesus is putting in perspective what is foolish and what we're to pursue. What will your life be measured by? The simple question. What will your life be measured by? Jesus said it will not be measured by your possessions. What will your life be measured by? It's going to be measured by the relationship you have with Jesus. The relationship you have with Jesus measures your life. And Jesus called us, He's called His listeners to a choice. You're with Him or you're against Him. I confess Jesus or I deny Him. I accept Jesus as Lord are rejected. Paul said this in Romans chapter 10 as, as we wrap up. Romans 10, verses 3 and 4. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God, trying to keep the law. Now he's referring to Pharisees, those trying to keep the old law. This applies to legalism. It applies for alternative ways of trying to work toward God. But he says, they cling to their own way of getting right with God. For Christ has already accomplished the purchase for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in Him, that is Jesus, are made right with God. In verse 9, if you openly declare, see that's what he talked about here in chapter 12, 
if you openly declare, you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Praise God. For it is by believing in your heart. That term believing. With all your soul, you accept, believe, and trust. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Anyone here today who hasn't done that, this is the day of salvation. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, listen to the Holy Spirit this morning as He implores your heart right now whether you're watching online or you're here in the audience today. If you're feeling a tug at your heart, that's the Holy Spirit pleading with you to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord and Master. And if you openly declare that Jesus is your Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the gospel. Don't reject it. Don't be guilty of rejecting the efforts of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up as I pray. Let's pray together. Father, You have made this message so simple, but people, human beings, have taken Your message and made it so complicated. Father, help us to listen to the efforts of the Holy Spirit. Accept those efforts to lead and guide us. But Father, that those who are listening to my words right now, if they have not accepted you as their Savior, this is the day and this is the time they will do so. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, and I believe in all my heart that God raised Him from the dead. Thank you, Father. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.